Welcome to Le Partie, your weekly destination to hear about what happened in the hospitality industry around the world last week. I am Miriam and this is Mish. Hello. Um, what we basically do is dig through hundreds of newspapers so you don't have to. <laughs> we also keep you updated on global events, what's up in academia and what softwares are currently changing the industry. We most certainly stick to facts, but but we had our personal spin to it and kind of a, a worldview. Yes, exactly. So maybe we dive right in. All right. What sounds good. Yes, let's go. Tell me, Miriam, what have you found this week? You were supposed to start. We're going to talk about the topic that we already spoke last week, which is Google. Oh, that is correct. Um, so basically, as you remember from the last week's episode, um, uh, Google was be being in trouble in the United States uh, because it uh, allegedly pushed other sites' results like TripAdvisor and so on and so forth down and pushed its own uh, products like Google Travel, Google Business up above in the search results, basically uh, right, using its monopoly power to push its own products for. At least that is alleged in the court. Well, the judge in, um, in the District of Columbia have actually, has actually decided that, uh, nope, <laughs> uh, you what was given as evidence was basically opinions uh, and not sort of uh, hard-driven facts and statistics. Um, to me, Miriam, it's quite interesting to know <laughs> where does the line draw between opinions and uh, hardline facts? Yeah, but then how are external companies getting any hard evidence on how Google runs its algorithms? No, how, like exactly they're not even—they the, don't have access to to their exactly algorithms. Right. So how are they supposed to kind of? The whole industry, the whole industry of SEO is based on people trying to understand the algorithm without knowing how it works, <laughs> second guessing it, learning from it, and then basically trying to take those learnings to benefit. <laughs> so yeah, in effect, all you have is opinions. Yes. I mean, Unless so you... then this whole monopoly power on how to rank different articles or sites, I mean, it's, do we just accept that it's in Google's power? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, the good news, well, the good news, but um, in United, in Europe, as we just talked about it, there was a similar case uh, in 2017, except it was about shopping experiences. And mm. Google was ordered to pay 2.4 billion euros to the antitrust uh, because of the fact that they was proven that they were pushing Google. Basically, they have this option where you can go do Google shopping directly from Google. Mm -hmm. um, uh, basically, you know, direct, redirecting you to the final websites to buy stuff, but then, mm -hmm. you know, the shopping experience itself technically is in, in Google. And um, yeah, so maybe it's just uh, the judge in the District of Columbia that was not uh, convinced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I think it's super always interesting that we pick up stuff from last week and see um, what happens and how it progresses in the industry. So I think it's a topic that we're going we're gonna to see more often. I I believe. Let's do our best to make sure we actually follow up on things and don't act like the Nemo fish <laughs> <laughs> with a five-minute memory span. Well, that that's me sometimes. I feel like oh, what? Oh, we will do it. We'll do it. <laughs> on that note, Miriam, it is actually your turn now. Tell us what have you found? Yes. So I found an article 
in Forbes that talks about how Europe combats over tourism. And I think, you know, we all know the images where you see a lot of people kind of overcrowding a monument or people not taking care of, yeah, heritage sites and things like that. So um, it really has a specific article where it speaks about Italy, France, Amsterdam and what they're doing um, to kind of... (laughs) keep tourists out of their of their cities because it really has right if there's too much tourism it really impacts um i don't know problems like housing or traffic pollution discomfort for people who live there um so you know what are things that different countries have started to do to actually Yeah, combat that. So one thing we might know already is they, for example, I think Florence and Amsterdam, they have banned big cruise ships. So actually you don't have like thousands of people kind of coming in at the same time, staying for two hours and leaving again. Um, Or others have risen taxes, tourism taxes, or they have kind of restricted access to certain popular places. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting, they have started, um, things like, um, advertisement for people to not come to their places. And I was like, how can you like advertise or kind of try people not to come? And in France, I mean, they have done, they, they've done it with street art where they kind of like mock over tourism in the streets. Um, That was tourists one. pay attention to political statements when they are <laughs> traveling. Yeah. So that that was interesting. Um, or they have so, like implemented big fines for people playing loud music or not respecting like local culture. In Amsterdam, they also made like huge signs to like um, tell people to not buy illegal drugs, but really go to like the the official ones. So, yeah, there are like many kind of interesting ways of keeping tourism out, which usually we always speak about, right? Um, are, the tour- are the tourists coming back? Um, it impacts the economy, the economies get better. Um, so the next step like- is basically creating uh, benches that are not human friendly. You know, they do this thing, for example, <laughs> for homeless people, where they make it very hard to sleep on those really? benches. Yeah, there's quite a few things on there. Or the, the installing spikes next to door entrances no so that people uh, cannot sleep there as well. Um, I guess you could maybe uh, make the hot dogs taste like something very disgusting, you know? Uh, That or... is a creative approach to keep <laughs> tourism away. Just make Just... the hot dogs bad. Then It... no one will go. In a nutshell, make the experience <laughs> as bad as possible and then you will solve tourism, right? And I think problem is solved. I mean... I have you have you seen certain have you seen other measures what people have done to keep tourists I remember in Amsterdam they they were for, they for, uh, basically are not allowing anymore I'm not sure if that's the case still but they were not allowing any more bigger groups than I think about 15 or 10 plus people so mm-hmm. get your guide and all those different or travel organization uh, travel operators basically are not allowed to bring like 50 people into the same street and start talking about something right because it disturbs the locals mm. uh, stuff like that or i mean i mean we know this the most unpopular one right is basically not allowing to open up new hotels no more new licenses like mm. in barcelona that's i think yeah. the most common one 
Exactly. We'll see. Given us that we 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 live and work in this sector, uh, definitely <laughs> interesting. Yeah, to it, just, it just feels so counterproductive. But I also fully understand. Right, last time we were speaking about airlines that they were restric- restricting flights um, yes. for tourism to or like for flights to come in, also to restrict um, tourism. I mean, that was another one that we've talked about in the past. And also KLM trying to sue um, the the Schiphol Airport for yeah. basically not allowing new lines and trying to come up with new solutions like exactly. more 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 cleaner planes etc there's a bunch of different options they were going for but yeah i mean i remember when i was living in barcelona that you can barely like walk along the beach <laughs> i've seen a picture in the article there's a picture where you can just like barely find a space at the beach in ibiza or something and it's it's true like it's crazy how yeah tourism in summer is i guess here we are worried about um um you know the, the amount of tourists that will be coming to to whatever businesses right but I, I think there's also another one which is i think quite interesting venice was um they actually set up a marketing campaign which sounds way, way more effective than what you talked about where they mm-hmm. advertised destinations right next to them so the tourists if they would arrive would be recommended to go somewhere else with beautiful pictures and so on and so forth so they would basically discourage people from going to their place but pushing them towards more local areas which have less people and would actually benefit very much from tourism that sounds like a good solution to me. Yeah, much better than making hot dogs taste disgusting, I think. Yeah, that I that whoever came up with that idea. Not, that was not a good. very creative idea. Thank you so much yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to move on. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, sounds good. What was first, demand or OTA? Yes, um, chicken or the egg, right? I, I found a very interesting article today. Well, it's not an article. It's, it was basically a call for answering questions right um hospitality and basically put out a question explaining that right there's the big question the, the the philosophical question maybe even if you have an ota like booking.com is it that booking.com drives data there drives the 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 demand to a destination or to a hotel or is it that mm. people already come to the ota channel with that in mind and um, right they they maybe have something specific they go to and that's it they find it thoughts so far from my side yes um, speculate <laughs> i mean speculating i would say i go on booking if i know where to book where i want to go so for me it's more of like a an actual just easy booking channel because sometimes direct booking on on hotel platforms is very challenging so i just use it because it's an easy booking it's an easy way of booking correct so basically well um a lot of people came up and you feel free to check out the link right quite a few industry professionals just like us <laughs> came up and i decided yes exactly uh, we, we can we can be considered industry professionals as well uh, experts um basically were answering that question and um, i thought the most insightful one was actual statistics and data right of course you, know, you did not just the opinions of experts um interestingly enough 28 percent of people uh so basically, Expedia organized a survey, and they found out that 28% of people uh, actually find the destinations they want to go to on OTAs. The rest goes to social media, for example, that's uh, 57%, or they go to meta uh, websites, basically where they can uh, compare different destinations, look things up, like TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. So in effect, uh, the chicken uh, or people's demand for certain things maybe goes first, right? And they don't, don't see OTA channels as a, as a, well, at least the majority don't see it as a place where you would go to find something. However, as you might remember, right, we talked about it quite a few times now, Airbnb is trying to change that in a way. 
right? They're trying to organize categories and trying to provide people not a specific location, but actually offering cool sleeping pods in the woods or on tree mm. <laughs> tree houses, yeah. right? So they are try trying to change that mindset. Uh, okay. And on that note... Uh, wait, yes. wait, wait. So I have this issue. I, I always hear people saying, oh, it's chicken and egg thing. Can you yes. explain what that means? I don't get it. Sure. No, but it's it's like an, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a kind of a question of an evolution, right? So, who what was first? Was there that there was a chicken, and it was born like a like a like a like human beings are or like mammals are, right? Most mammals okay. are. Or was it that somebody what started the egg? Right, that's the question. <laughs> it's a bit of a stupid question, but that's the joke, right? What what was the first thing? Uh, at what uh, point did an egg show question. up? Yes, yes. Oh my that. god! Because I hear like people saying, "Oh, it's a chicken and an egg thing," and I'm like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> that to me has nothing to do with a chicken or an egg. Damn it! Well, now you do. <laughs> now I get it. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I think we should start a biology biology podcast, I guess, as well. Honestly, uh, I just feel this is like day to day stuff, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, if you don't use it every day. Um, I will need to ask the question. You're also not mother tongue, right? Uh, not a not a not a native speaker of English. Maybe that's the. I guess in Switzerland you have something else. Maybe uh, what would you have in Switzerland? I'm sure uh, we use something different, but not, che I don't know. Che cheese or milk? <laughs> I don't know. What is first? Cheese or the milk? I don't know. <laughs> um, I have no idea. Anyway. On, other, on the other side, I've um, found. I keep finding this, and this is quite frustrating to me, and I think I want you to talk about this. Every week, okay. there is news or forecasts of various businesses doing well or not. And every week, it says they're wrong, or they're <laughs> right, or, or they're like they're below or above, or they're almost the same, right? So what is the point of these forecasts, right? So uh, to this week, there's three forecasts that okay. were wrong. Booking.com has made more money than they were expected to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Expedia has made less money than they were expected to do, mm -hmm. and TripAdvisor has made also. They, they've increased their revenue, right? So fair okay. enough. But they have made less than they were expected to do. Why? <laughs> <laughs> they, they come up Why? with. They For come up with. Reasons. Exactly, and, and mm. I, I think we should I, uh, just decide not to you know, not to use forecasts ever again because in this podcast they're just useless. There's so no, we're no, yeah. I often skip those anyway. I saw one about STRs and RevPAR and who has been RevPAR leader and what was expected. I mean, I do think it's a, I always think, right, that's why we make, for example, budgets. So we say, okay, this is, that's why they make budgets. Okay, what do we expect? And based on what we expect from making revenues, that's how we kind of adjust how we're going to run our business. I mean, so you actually do need to kind of, I do still believe that budgets or forecasts them um makes sense because you need to have a, a guideline and then let's say for q1 you make a guideline until end of q1 and then you revise and you see what went well and what didn't whether we achieved what we did or not and then adjust that's why so, so that you basically so basically you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy right so that's the point so um, technically it, i wouldn't say it's not it's not news mm -hmm. It's a corporate strategy to make sure you're doing well. Yeah. Isn't that the goal of business? That is correct. Make money. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, did I did I miss something? Or 
there's a few phrases I could come up with, but I think they're not PG-13. I don't know if we're PG-13, but <laughs> that's correct. No, uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I just find it quite funny, right? The, 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 this week, three articles I found on random websites said that a forecast was wrong about this, this, and that, right? And you're like, whoa, really? That's surprising. Why do you even do a forecast? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh I guess uh, on that news, uh, let's, well, on that note, let's move on, on to note, next. Let's move on to the next news. And I really want to talk to you about timeshare. So oh, I think so exciting. Always... I, I'm already, I'm, I'm already like, you know, I, I have butterflies <laughs> in my stomach. Dude. <laughs> no, but okay. So I always find like for me being in hospitality, I think we always speak about hotels. We speak about real estate. We speak about different models, right? And I think timeshare has is also kind of in a hospitality form, which is very particular um, for the real estate aspect and the development aspect of the, the hospitality business. And um, Timeshare has in the past been very much frowned upon due to several reasons, because uh, people were losing money. Sometimes they were selling rights of properties but then they were worthless or they couldn't be resold or people were having to put up a lot of money, but then could go on holiday. Anyway, there's so many things. Um, if you're interested in timeshare, I think it's a whole world for itself. A pyramid um, scheme. Now, hmm? A pyramid scheme. That's what you're calling it. You, you're more than welcome to kind of share why this is a pyramid scheme. You want to, yes. you want to, you can share right now. We speak about the article. No, you why said do you it yourself. Scheme. You said it yourself. I think I remember reading an article about Merritt doing it in the 80s. And what they did was, right, they were, they were trying to promote this. And if you would recommend someone else would join the timeshare, you could also benefit from their timeshare. So they literally oh. were trying to do uh, pyramid. I, I, quote me, I mean, I'm sure there was, it might, might have been not Merritt. I don't want to, <laughs> everything in this podcast <laughs> is false. Please do not sue us. We, we, we do Please not some check the facts for this one. <laughs> But I remember there was a marketing strategy behind the timeshare of a major hotel business, which sounded very much like a, like a pyramid scheme. Ah, like a snowball system. Okay, that's maybe yeah. another reason why it was so frowned upon. But in a way, it kind of is an interesting concept, right? You kind of buy shares of a resort and you have a certain amount of time that you can go to that resort and you're making revenues during the time that you're not there. So in yes. theory... That makes a lot of sense and it's really cool. So um, in Germany, for example, they have started to sell whole apartments to private owners um, in advance. So you, so they would get the cash to develop the, the apartments and all of it. And the owner can stay in the apartment for X amount of weeks. The rest is managed by a hotel management company and they rent out the, the apartment while the owner is not in it so they get returns for their investments so actually it just it sounds like a really really good way um i mean it needs to be set up properly but yeah so um uh, uh the specialist from hvs has written a very detailed um report about it and why it gotten better over the past few years um, it says that timeshare sales in 2022 have increased by 30 percent um because the... so, so, sorry correct uh, sales of the so investors buying into them not people yes. staying in them yeah no no no, no. <clears throat> investors kind of like investing into them again mm -hmm. and i just thought it was super interesting that that 
that system is coming back after. I mean, it's a perfect system in a way, right? It, it exists also in different forms, I think, right? Yeah. There's a lot of um, apartment short-term rental management companies that take your apartment and then they will rent it out for, on behalf of you. And then some of them have exclusivity contracts. Um, yeah. In fact, I worked for one myself, Bill Villa, yeah. where they basically had three, I think, what was it six weeks that you were allowed to stay in there for free? Mm -hmm. And the rest was supposed to be guaranteed to third-party guests. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect model. You don't want to be bothered about it. Uh, I've I know a few people as well who have apartments like that in, in Austria. Because mm. in Austria, it's okay. very hard to buy an apartment by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But you can buy a tourism apartment. And then you mm -hmm. have someone manage it, and then you can live there for two, three months during a year. Oh, okay. And, and, and also, don't... it's rented out by third party. Yeah, exactly. Managed and also cleaned, right? So all you do is you basically give up an apartment, you get some sort of a fee, right? You would make much more money theoretically if you would manage it yourself, but <clears throat> this way, this apartment basically covers your costs, right? So you don't have yeah. to worry about, um, you know, things like for paying, ta you know, interest rate or something on, uh, on your financing. Yeah. So you're getting one yeah, yourself yeah. then? Mm, yeah, if I have more cash. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's as they say, you know, it's a social construct. So why not just come up with your own cash? Oh, wow. We're getting in a complete new sphere there. <laughs> a complete different topic. I think we should move on to your next article. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so interesting piece of news. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of, you know, reality of life or at the same time a pretty good learning for all of us so mm. there is a there was a, you know a disclaimer a uh, short-term rental startup uh kasai from from latin america they would be uh, similar to a few we have in in in, uh, in europe they would basically <clears throat> uh organize you know put a, put a lot of apartments together or try to operate even buildings and um yeah, operate them as if they are hotels and, you know, sell them, etc., clean them. Well, uh, they have gone bust, unfortunately. And um, the CEO was kind enough to actually provide, uh, basically give up an interview and explain what he thought he was he did wrong and what they, or mm. they did wrong and basically summarize it in four learnings uh, that I think the rest of us can definitely learn from because it's, it's it's quite insightful it's almost kind of stereotypical at this point i think which is funny enough uh, basically but for 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 background this company was founded in 2019 and actually had the funding of 50 million at some point but during the wow. 2021 right so they they were they were steaming ahead and they were supposed to be successful but unfortunately closed down so four learnings <laughs> let's go learning one um invest more in financial infrastructure or basically make sure you have good bookkeeping <laughs> so apparently they didn't really ever put that in, in into place and they uh, had issues of trying to understand how much they're spending here and there and mm. by the time they actually wanted to do that uh, and set up proper systems the people the departments that were running this the financial departments already had some own ways of doing this which, which was ineffective but that was the way of doing, you know, managing invoices and so on and so forth. And so by the time they put in the proper software and process into place, mm. they couldn't really force anybody to do something different because people were used to how they were doing it. Mm. So, is that, is yes. that a little bit general? Sorry for jumping in, but is that already a little bit general kind of startup challenge that financials are not set up properly? Because I've heard it from several different places. 
or different startups that like is it because maybe the founders don't put enough emphasis or they're not um, accountants themselves so they didn't see the value in it or the what's... the founder himself said that basically they didn't believe it was that important in the beginning mm. uh, right we're gonna have money we're gonna make it work blah 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 but mm. I think you're right right in general when you're setting up a, setting up a company your worry isn't that you have a really good bookkeeping maybe your worry is that you have cash flow at all uh, or yeah. that your operations is running and Mm. Um, and yes, I think I mean you. This is probably a very stereotypical issue for startups, right? And sometimes it puts startups down, like in this case. So yeah. Okay. Lesson what was two. the second learning? Um, <laughs> it'll be funny because I think you you probably kind of will be expecting to say, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Second <laughs> one is uh, investment in HR and company culture. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so he, quote unquote, the, uh, the found founder didn't really believe in HR and they thought it was a useless department in the beginning. So they had it as a kind of a rudimentary basic structure. Yeah. And apparently that cost them their HR, their first of all, you know, HR costs were, you mm -hmm. know, then becoming an issue. And also at the same time, uh, the company, company, company culture was struggling. And yeah, he yeah. said that if he would have done it again, he would have changed that. Okay. <laughs> I think we can go the same as you said before, right? It's probably a very typical startup I mean, issue. I honestly, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a typical startup um, issue. I also think maybe, I think certain startup must have failed in the past because they have invested too much in culture and not enough in actually working. Um, there are, right? I think that is, I think it's a very fine line on how much you invest in, in the culture and how much, yeah. Or if Very you fair. Care, you can, uh, fully can agree, uh, but but also right. Uh, once we finish, also the other two lessons, right? I think you, I think the learning would be from it as well. Prematurely, we can say that yes, these four things gone have gone wrong. But if the market would have been perfect, there would have been no Corona, no inflation mm. crisis, right? They would have been able to get another hundred million, fix their problems, mm. and function for another ten years, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this might be more systematic issues and not perhaps the root causes of the company failing, right? Because that mm. could be. As, as we would say, a black swan, right? I don't think the guy who founded the company was also planning for Corona. No. Necessarily. I don't think he did. No, probably not. He was probably reading <laughs> forecasts which said everything is going to be great. Uh, so, third lesson. Uh, great, which is actually related to what we just talked about. Um, huh. he, he, he said he would wish that he would have ignored the 2021 I'm 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 paraphrasing here, right? But yeah. uh, ignore the 2021 spike in cheap cash, because their oh. thinking was their 50 million uh, US dollar funding they got was easy, mm -hmm. and so you know if something goes wrong, we can just get it again. And there's so much cash out there, why should we worry? Well, yeah. he said basically that's what happened. They ran out of money, right? And he said, I wish I would have thought we we are, we're not going to get any money more ever again. And in fact. 10 million we should always just have in reserve to never touch mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that was his mm -hmm. thinking at least and yeah. i mean i think that sounds like one of the major root causes of why the company failed right because it wasn't a sustainable operational model maybe they didn't get enough traffic and the costs basically overtook the the, the profits i suppose yeah um and finally or you know not least but <laughs> last but not least uh i think it's just my personal one the last for all of us um he said that he wished that he would have opened up earlier, asked for help sooner, and just done it, have done it in general. So I guess the guy is kind of more, I would imagine from the interview, is kind of a high-driven, high-performer, 
successful in most things he's done before in life. And so he assumed I need to fix everything. And he was right. going about like, you know, how to take care of my dog, how to take care of my kids, how to care of the company, how to take care of this, that. Mm. And he, until the very last moment, moment, basically didn't ask for help. And then he realized that when he actually did that, the people around him were actually supporters of what he's doing. And yeah. um, he's asking for help. Would have actually helped. And <laughs> you know, who knew? Is it, I think this is something we've talked about, you and me, at least in the past, like asking within the company, like senior leadership or even the whole company for help? Or is it, did he rather refer to like... He referred to everything. No, no, he went through everything. So he meant family, company, mm. within, outside. I think it was a general personality trait that he had, well, has, mm. where he basically said, you know, why do I need to go into this? Uh, I, I can do everything myself, right? That yeah. was, I guess, the vision that he had. And um, yeah, those were the four lessons. Now the company, unfortunately, is uh, closed. But I think, um, well, I'm sure the guy, the, the, the co-founder and the co-founders, the team, the people will learn from it. And I mean, this happens, right? Yeah. But that's we, at least we can learn from his learnings. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Great find. Um, um, your turn. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I wanted to talk about um, US airlines and why they're facing a weird market. But that kind of goes into the similar things that we have talked about in hotels, right? You have um, prices or ADO. I mean, in hotels, it's ADRs and demand is increasing, but also the costs are increasing. Um, and usually, you know, if costs are increasing, airlines would just cut, cut their number of flights. But because people are willing to pay more for flights and <laughs> the demand and people want to fly, that doesn't really work, that strategy to kind of adjust for the increase in utility costs and so on. Um, the market is a is quite weird and they're trying to adjust schedules and so on and so on and I thought it would yeah it would be interesting to talk about that in detail but we're already arriving at the end of our podcast so if somebody is really interested to read what happened um, in the airline market in the US I think they should go hop on our podcast hey, on our newsletter sorry yeah what a note to end with Newsletter. To find out to find out the most juiciest piece of news, please make sure you follow follow us on leopardy.com and uh, exactly. read the newsletter. <laughs> exactly, we have more things. What else you found? For example, what's your technology tip of the uh, week that you put in there? We also looked into yeah, um, lucky enough. I mean, we looked quite a few times. We saw articles about how AI is going to be helpful for hospitality. Well, um, luckily for our listeners, we found a. Pretty good uh, article summarizing how you can actually implement AI into your business and hospitality. So a bit more hands-on and not just theoretically, this will help you to save money, <laughs> quote-unquote mm. article. <laughs> uh, and also, um, for those of you who who, uh, who want to know, we also have a very, piece of juice, a very juicy piece of news about Volkswagen um, coming up as well. But then again, right. unfortunately, those is, that part of news is only for the listeners this week. <laughs> all right thank you so much for your time thank, thank you too Miriam you too I always enjoy it. and okay. I guess see you guys next week see you next week bye bye bye